Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Spurs 82 Plus Podcast. I'm your host, CJ, and with me is my brother, TJ. Hey guys. Uh, JD was out of town for when we were going to do this episode, so he's not going to be with us today. Um, He'll hopefully be with us next time. So, we're a little bit late again, and if we do another double or triple episode, I think I'm going to start calling us the Spurs Late E2 Podcast, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I... Yeah, we're sorry. We're really sorry. Anyway, so today we're talking about the Clippers game, the Bucks game, and then the Bulls game. Um, do you want to start in chronological, or do you just want to like generally talk about them? Uh, I'd say really just general because I mean, the the Clippers game was pretty good. We it was very very competitive. Uh, we ultimately won out in the end. Uh, Powell played great. So did you know, uh, Lamarcus. You know, pretty much everyone played great that game. Uh, the Bucks game we was a loss. Uh, it was a cont- very um hard fought loss. Honestly, I think you put it best when we were watching the game by saying the reason we lost was because near the end we chucked up way too many quick threes. We didn't try to do actual uh strong possessions where we tried to get the best shot. It just felt like they were rushing a little bit too much. Though I think that's probably because if you looked at the lineups, those were more of the younger guys, so they were just trying to you know learn how to close out games, and unfortunately, they weren't able to close out that one. Uh, the Bulls game was, I saw best described as the Austin Spurs blow out the Chicago Bulls, uh, what was it, 92-133 or something like that? I think it was closer to like 97-133, something along those lines. Right, but still, the point is, we demolished the Bulls without Tony Parker, Kawhi Leonard, Manu Ginobili, or Danny Green, and Marcus only scored 15... No, not 15, 14 points. Right, right. I think, honestly, when you look at these games, because, you know, you got two wins there all by different degrees, and then you got that one loss in between, I think it's kind of, like, emblematic of what we can expect and what we see from the, uh, you know, the kawhi Spurs right now. Because let's be honest, if you really look at this team, without Kawhi and Tony, it's kind of like a preview of a of a different timeline, if you will. This is kind of what a rebuilding Spurs team looks like. So essentially, when we rebuild, we're better than the majority of the league and can still compete with the top uh, seeded teams. Yeah, because, I mean, even if Kawhi was here but we didn't have LaMarcus, we probably would be doing... I mean, we'd probably be doing a little better, but I don't think by much. Yeah, that's that's fair. Because, honestly, with, with Kawhi back and without LaMarcus, you'd have a good chunk of the offense and of points there gone. And you'd still have a lot of the different um, issues still going on. Maybe you wouldn't have the uh, post-up defense, uh, not defense, post-up offense necessarily. But at the same time, I don't really think that's been, if anything, I think that's been a plus than a negative. Oh, yeah. I think the one thing it, you would lose if you had only Kawhi and no LaMarcus is actually, as strange as it sounds, Lamarcus's defense. Because he has been really bringing it. Like, I love Kawhi. We all love Kawhi. He's the best player on the team. He's the best defensive player on the team, possibly even in the league right now. He's the best two-way player, period. No one can argue that. The problem is that he's too small to be a wing protector. I was going to say, let's face it. He's straight up. He's a, he's a perimeter defender. He's a wing defender. He's not He's not a rim protector. He's not a big. He can do really great... He, the, the, he can... Defend guards like that with his business. He can do really, really great help defense and really great post defense, but he can't protect the rim. He is physically too small. Right, and I think that's something I was wanting to bring up, actually, 
was that I've seen a lot of people go, yeah, we're doing good now, and LaMarcus looks great now, but what happens when, when Kawhi, Kawhi comes back? What happens when Tony comes back? How is it going to look? Is LaMarcus not going to be doing as well because he's got less touches? And I think that the answer to that and the key of all this is something we have to understand here. Kawhi doesn't need the ball to be great. We've seen him play in different offenses. When, when he first started playing, yeah, I mean, he was nowhere near what he is now. But he was standing in the corner and throwing up threes, Bruce Bowen style. Yeah, and when he actually started to explode offensively, that was during 2014. Where he wasn't the primary option, but he still was able to score 20 points. Exactly, and I would actually argue that Kawhi being the ball-dominant the ball dominant primary option is actually a negative to the Spurs system and the Spurs style of play. I don't think that's something we intended to happen. It's just because no one else could really hold up the load necessarily that he ended up just getting the ball by default because Danny was having an off year. Tony was having an off year. Um, Patty was fine, but, you know, he's a point shooting guard style thing. He was coming off the bench. LaMarcus was definitely having an off year. Yeah, I agree. I think when – and I – sorry. Sorry to interrupt you, but I also think that some of that also is, you know, because life after Duncan. Yeah. Last year, life after Tim Duncan, Tim was the focal point of the offense, so always. So now we, we're trying to figure out, is it LaMarcus? Is it Kawhi? And because Kawhi was just having a better year, it just made more sense to give the ball to him. But I don't think that our, our offense is conducive to that. I think playing through the post, playing through LaMarcus, and – doing all that that's better especially because LaMarcus has gotten way better when it comes to throwing out of the double team he was double and triple team these past few games especially the Bulls game which is which I found was really interesting I think that's part of why he didn't score as many that and he didn't need to play as many minutes because it's the Bulls right but his passing out of those double and triple teams has been so much better and it's just been he's been making the right passes to the right people yeah, and when you have Kawhi back, then one, they won't be doing as many double and triple teams because they need to go at another person who is a major threat. And two, if they do double and triple team, you already have another major offensive threat ready and waiting to go. Exactly. And I mean, let's think about that for the moment. Let's bring Kawhi back because I don't know if Tony will be back when before Kawhi's back or if he'll be back when Kawhi's back. That's still very up in the air. They're still, they're still saying late November, early December, so... So let's just assume for now, just for the sake of this argument that I'm about to make, that Kawhi comes back and Tony isn't yet. Why? So we've got a starting lineup of, as of these past three games, Patty Mills. Which we should talk about a little bit later after we finish this hypothetical. Right. So you've got Patty Mills. Then you've got Danny Green. You've got Kawhi Leonard, who's just returned. You've got LaMarcus Aldridge and then Pau Gasol. Right. So you double-team LaMarcus, right? Correct. Who, who goes for the double? You don't want to go off Kawhi because he's Kawhi freaking Leonard. Leonard, your best player, your best defender should be on Kawhi. Right. You can't go off of Green because he's hot from three, and even if you edge out, even if he's you know icy that game, he gets the ball and so the guy goes back, and Green's icy, so he's not going to take the shot. He can drive now, right. so now that momentum just hurts the defender because now he's just going to blow past him. Right. You're not going to go off. Pal, because he's either going to three-point shot you or he's going to you know, go towards the basket, which is exactly what he's good at doing. He's big. <laughs> yeah, he's big. He knows how to play. And then that leaves Patty Mills, who, yeah, he's having a rough spot, but if he starts getting rhythm, starts getting hot. Like he has been for the past few games. He's not doing as well as he should be, but he's still he's improving, so he's getting out of this slump that he's been in. So who do you 
And but who do you take off to double team? Well, the one thing I have to say about Patty is even when he's not, unlike Danny, who uh, when he's not hot from three, used to be he's just not good. Patty is one of those players where if he's not hot for three, he can always you can always count his layups. Danny has now gone to the point where I think we we can count his his layups too. So you have to either take out if you're going to double team, you have to either go for Danny or Patty, whoever's more cold that game because then you only have to worry about the layups and you can hope that your women protector can protect the rim. That's the only thing I can think of because you can't go off of Kawhi. He's too good. You He's can't. Kawhi freaking Leonard. Exactly. And you can't go off of Powell because you go, you go off of Powell, that's an easy two or or a pre- almost guaranteed three if he's on the perimeter. You go you double team off of Powell, you're pretty much giving up points. At least with Patty and and Danny. I hate to say this, but at least with Patty and Danny, you can do throw, throw up a coin and say at least you have a fifty percent chance of not hitting of not giving up a point. Though I would actually say it's more of thirty seventy percent by this point for both of them. Right, and that's kind of the point I'm trying to say is that double teams won't really will actually lessen. So even though Lamarcus might not get as many touches, he'll have a higher quality shot because he's not getting double teamed all the time. Or someone is cheating off of him to cover Kawhi. And so he gets an open shot. Yeah, and I think the thing I think will be really interesting to see once Kawhi comes back in this hypothetical scenario where he's back without Tony, uh, is that the small ball lineup that we already have will get even better. Because you'll have Lamarcus at the 5, probably Rudy Gay at the 4, Kawhi at the 3, and then for the guards you'd probably have Danny Green and... Uh, Either DeJounte or maybe maybe if uh, Pop's feeling uh, tricky, maybe even Kyle Anderson as the point guard. We saw a lot of that during the Bulls game, In case, if you didn't notice. That's actually a lineup I really want to see happen at least once, once Kawhi's back. I just want to see what would happen if Pop decides to say screw it and throws LaMarcus, Rudy Gay, Kawhi, Danny, and Kyle Anderson all on the floor at once. Think about the length there. Uh-huh. And just the craziness yeah. of what that could be. Yeah. Especially, like, against players who have more, not players, but teams that have more intense point guards, like, uh, you know, like Boston or uh, not quite the Warriors. I don't know if you want to experiment there, but. Yeah, probably. You probably shouldn't. Or, like, the, the, the Grizzlies. You know, just yeah. teams with great point guards, because then it's like Danny gets Maybe the point guard. Rockets? Yeah, like like maybe the Rockets, because Danny gets the point guard, and then Kawhi gets their next best player. So Danny would get Chris Paul, and uh, Kawhi would get Harden. Exactly, and then it's like you can just switch off everyone because everyone's got that perfect amount of length that you can kind of guard everyone. But at the same time, you've got because you've got length, they can't cheat on you with throwing big guys at you or anything. It's just really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it'll actually be that effective because. Well, I love Kyle Anderson. I think he has great ball handling and IQ. He's None of those guys on that actual roster on this hypothetical uh, small ball lineup that we're giving are actually point guards. Well, I mean, DeJounte is. Like, if we replace uh, Kyle with DeJounte, then you have an actual point guard who has really great length and has really, his defense is really impressed. Right, and I, I expect to see that lineup before Tony comes in, and even after Tony comes back, I expect to see that lineup more. Yeah. But I'm just talking about this hypothetical one with Kyle Anderson <laughs> slotting on the point guard. 
just trying to figure out what that would look like. It could either it could be either be a mess or it could be like the most beautiful lineup in the history of tall tall small ball just nonsense. <laughs> tall small ball death lineup. Oh my god. The thing is that that would probably be that is totally a Popovich version of small ball. It's like yeah, it's small ball, but it's not what people think of a small ball, you know? I mean, even when you have DeJounte in there, it's not what he would, people think of a small ball. Yeah, it's small ball, but because of all that length, it's almost like, it's like, it's small ball in name only in the fact that everyone is smaller than the traditional basketball size, but compared to all the other small balls, it's not even close to being as small. And I think that's what I love about these hypotheticals, is that even, about the, those two in particular, it's that even if, Pop does it, it's still, it's like, yeah, it's small ball, but it's our version of small ball. It's not like conforming to the league. It's just using something and doing it the sport's way, the more traditional way, if you will. Right. Now, moving on, I said earlier that we were a team, that what the team looks like now is more <coughs> what you'd expect from the Spurs in the rebuilding year. And I want to kind of like hit that, get more in depth on that and hit the nail on the head for that. So, we got Kawhi and Tony out. Right. And Kawhi's young, so even if he was back, it would still technically count as that rebuild year. And by young, I mean he's young for star player standards. Right. Um, then you've got – so you got Tony out, who's a huge vet, and you're replacing him with either DeJounte Murray, who's um, you know, the young prospect, 21 years old, or – Patty Mills, who yeah, he's not super young either, but he's he's been around, and you always have those veterans when you're rebuilding to really? help build culture. And he's not super old either. He's like he's at that perfect, still has still like I think at the end of his prime probably is what like I would say at the end of his prime still has has a ton to contribute, but you know not too but not too old to where he's you know not being able to move. I would argue he's got like one or two years left in his prime and then he's on his way out. I wouldn't say that we've seen the best of Patty Mills just yet, but I don't think there's much left of the best. Keep in mind we're talking about 100% Patty Mills and not like 70 or 80 who's still a legitimate contributor to a legitimate championship team. Yeah. So it's not like we're downgrading Patty Mills or anything. We're just saying how we are. He's in a slump right now and I don't know if we'll see 100% Patty Mills this year, I think we will because I think he's already breaking out of it. I think the only reason he had the slump is because of the same reason everyone pretty much had a slump <laughs> because the way they sorted out the season. Right. I keep going back to it, but that's because it's going to affect players, right? But moving back to what I was saying, after that, you've got so you've got the young 21 year old, then you got guys like Brandon Paul and Brent Forbes, right? Like Brent Forbes only got minutes last season in garbage time. Uh-huh. And his was an, and he had a non-guaranteed contract the entire offseason. Yeah. That people kept talking about over and over. It's like, yeah, but it's only partially guaranteed or it's it's not even guaranteed. And we don't know he's going to stay even though he was playing out of his mind during summer league. And he's been getting legitimate minutes now, not just in games against the Bulls or against um Phoenix, you know? Yeah. He's getting legitimate playing time against the Clippers. He's getting legitimate playing time against the Bucks, against the Timberwolves. And yeah. he's doing very well for what his role is. Yeah. He's relieving Danny Green and Mario Ginobili. He's being a legitimate third guy who you can throw in there and not have to worry about him screwing it up. He, he's one of those guys where if our shooting guards aren't shooting well, throw him in there and he'll shoot well. 
That's what he. That's what he's supposed to be. He's being a very good Patty Mills replacement. Yeah. And I, I would not doubt if that's what we're grooming him to be for when Patty, you know, kind of starts taking that step back. It's okay. We got Bruin Forbes, and he's got that potential. We've seen him go off for twenty-eight points, twenty-nine points in games, and this isn't just in the summer league. This isn't just in the Austin Spurs. We're talking up about against actual NBA teams. You mean like Charlotte? Like Charlotte or the Mavericks last season. Right, though the Mavericks were tanking. Yeah, and but they're still tanking. My point is, okay, so the Mavs aren't a good example, but Charlotte's a great example. Yeah. And my point is he's still got that shooting mentality, and he's doing it way more consistently this year. Definitely. Then you got guys like Brandon Paul, who they kept talking about how amazing Defender is. And when you, on first glance, you're like, is he really that good? He's not really doing anything different. But then you really pay attention to what he does, the plays he does. And then every once in a while, he'll have this spectacular play. And you're like, no, he's he's legit. You know what really shows you how good of a defender he is? What? His fouls. He doesn't foul very often. And when he does, they're smart fouls. Yeah, they're either smart fouls or one of those, oh, yeah, that's barely a foul, but they have to call it because that's just how it is. But what I mean, what I mean is that normally players like him, they foul. A lot. Like, look at last season's Brent Forbes or DeJounte Murray or even uh, Jonathan Simmons in his first year. They fouled. This season's Davis Bertans. Yeah, this season's Davis Bertans. Those type of players, when when they're relatively, you know, newer to the league or on the lower end of the (coughs) uh, bench, then they're going to typically, the defense, they foul a lot. But Brandon Paul, he doesn't actually foul that much. I wouldn't, I'd say he fouls about as much as. Uh, Danny Green, Danny Green on an off night, which is really good since Danny doesn't really foul ever. Right, and what's really cool is that he's got a really good three point shot too. Yeah, like we always say, we're looking for this every single time, but it's like I legitimately think he could be Bowen two point No, yeah, I I agree. Just like how Kawhi used to be Bowen two point I think Brandon Paul has that potential as well. And that's the other thing when you look at the Spurs system. When we're talking about, like, rebuilding, even though, yeah, some of these guys are older and some of these guys are younger, and some of these guys are, like, 26 with their no spring chicken, but at the same time, look at what Danny Green did this past year. Yeah. Look at what LaMarcus has done. Yeah. Look at what Pau Gasol has done. Pau Gasol was never a three-point shooter, and they were trying hard to make him one at bo- in the Bulls. Yeah. But it wasn't until he came to the Spurs that suddenly he's shooting at 50%. It wasn't until he broke Kyle Anderson broke his hand accidentally. <laughs> I love how you still bring that up. I do because he go he gets out for, he gets out for injury. All of a sudden he comes back and he's the best three point shooter in the league percentage wise. I mean it's insane. And it's not like like last season you make you can make the argument that he was only he wasn't shooting too many, but he that second half he took quite a few. But from the beginning of this season he's been taking like one or two shots every game. And he's still knocking them down. Yeah, and that's what's crazy. And it's not even just like corner three. He's also taking them from the top of the key. And it's mainly from the top of the key is what, what I've noticed. What's crazy is that LaMarcus is doing the same too. Nowhere near at the clip that Powell is because Powell's got that ungodly shooting percentage. <laughs> Somehow. But LaMarcus is still shooting threes at a great rate for himself too. Oh, definitely. It's become a legitimate shot that now it's like if LaMarcus is standing up at the perimeter, you can't just walk away from him because he's going to take it and he might actually make it. Yeah, and then some days we get games like the past Bulls game where literally everyone shoots a three-point shot. DeJounte Murray hit two threes. DeJounte Murray, the point guard whose biggest weakness is that he doesn't have a jump shot to save his life, shot and made two threes. Those were not good-looking threes either. No, and yet he still made them. 
because this is that that's the danger this team has when they are firing on all cylinders from three. You can't stop them. No matter what you do, everyone will be able to hit them, and that is what makes them dangerous. Because even when you do take out the three, the team is still made. Now everyone can make twos. I say that as like, well, how why is that special? Shouldn't you always be able to make twos? Remember Danny Green. He used to not be able to drive worth crap. Now he's a legitimate threat. And when you have a legitimate threat from both beyond and inside the arc, what can you do to defend them? You just have to either do one or two things. One, rough, uh, rough them up a bit to try to throw them off their rhythm. Or two, pray to God that they miss. Because that's the only thing that you can do. Right, and then this is just the the things we're talking about now with these younger guys. We're not even talking about some of the... like This is the team and rebuild phase we're talking about here. Right, this isn't even with Kawhi or Tony. Right, now, now we can incorporate these new teams like I was saying these new ideas the, these guys who are out of the out of, out of injuries when they come back now you can incorporate Kawhi Leonard and Pat and Tony Parker into the these roles and let's think about this for a second now because like I was saying earlier Kawhi doesn't necessarily need the ball to be great right and a lot of these losses a lot of these problems we have right now will be solved by Tony and Kawhi coming back yes I was looking at our record and I, I've noticed it's kind of like Depending on how you think about it, depending on how you look at it, that record either looks great or terrible. I say great, considering you have two franchise players not playing in the team. I'm getting there, because it, it looks bad when you look at it and you go, we're the Spurs, we're 8-5. and five. Yeah, that's it's definitely great to get a top four seed, but can you beat Golden State with that record? Can you beat the Rockets with that record? And that's the argument. But then, like you said, yeah, but we're 8-5 and five without our main playmaker in Tony Parker and our franchise player in Kawhi Leonard. Just straight up. Like, those... If it were, like, Danny Green or, uh... You know, Patty Mills. And I love them. Don't get me wrong. Even Monty Ginobili. Like, if, if these guys were out, yeah, it would suck. And yeah, that might impact a game here or there. But it's not like you'd be able to say, yeah, but even with them... They're not going to add that much. And I love Danny Green. I would argue that Danny Green's defense does make that, um, make that them way better than they are without him. Definitely. And I think most people would agree with me on that. Yeah. But that's nowhere near the impact of a Tony Parker on the playmaking and Kawhi Leonard on everything. Period. Yeah. And I think one of the things is with Tony that we didn't really mention that I want to is that when it comes to the offense, he is nothing but a plus when it comes to the offense because he will be able to get LaMarcus and Kawhi and anyone their spots period like you said he is a top playmaker he makes plays that is what he does and if he can make plays for himself and he hits it amazing that's what we want to see that is Tony Parker but at this stage in his career and he knows this that's why he's been working on it last season when he was doing crap you could always count on that he can make plays for the others he can help move the offense and get it going and that is what his role is if he gets open shots and he can make them, we want him to do that. But primarily, his goal is to get the ball to either Kawhi or Lamarcus. Probably Lamarcus and then Kawhi because when Lamarcus is going, no one can stop him. Literally, every game I've seen where Lamarcus is going, no one can stop him. Same like same with Kawhi though. Like I don't think Kawhi can be stopped. Period. So which is why you try to get Lamarcus going, then Kawhi can just do what Kawhi does. Right, and that's something else I want to bring up as well. When I was looking at the records, because, you know, we're 8-5. But if you look at Golden State and Houston, 
there's 10-3. That's only two two win difference. And there's still we're not even a quarter of the way through the through the season yet. There's still lots of games to go. We can make up those two games in no time. Plenty of time. To make Especially up when Kawhi and Tony come back. Yeah, definitely. One thing we should really talk about that we haven't talked about, which, like I said, when they get back to it, is Patty Mills. We put him in the sorting slot now. He's starting now. What do you think about that? I think we're trying to get him in a better rhythm to get him out of his slump. Because, you know, coming off the bench, it worked, It works great when you're a spark off the bench. But when you're in the slump, it kind of hurts you because you're not in that rhythm. You don't have that, that beginning of the game momentum to really help you rev up. I think that's what we're trying to do. Also, I think Pop's trying to experiment a little with uh, DeJounte coming off the bench. Because this is conspiracy, CJ. Conspiracy theory, man. Tim Furl's hat on. Yeah, Tim Furl's hat on. I wonder if Pop's contemplating putting Tony on the bench and have him come off the bench. Hmm. I don't think that's what he's going to do. Because like we've mentioned, Kawhi's or not Kawhi, Tony's our main playmaker. And it would just help so much. But with how athletic and crazy a lot of these uh, starting point guards are now, and with Tony coming off of a freaking quad injury, I don't know if him coming being a starter is the best idea, especially when at least trying to face him in. I think Tony will start coming off the bench initially, and how depending on how he plays and how he uh, starts getting reacclimated to the the ser- to the you know to the season that's when he'll decide whether or not he's going to start again. Because remember, if someone straight up asked him, if Pop asked you to come off the bench, what would you do? And he straight up said, yeah, that's I'd, I'd do it. So, I don't know. I'm not necessarily for Tony coming off the bench, but I wouldn't mind seeing it, at least initially. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Because you know Pop loves his rotations, and he loves to keep them as consistent as possible. It's why Rudy Gay has con- been coming off the bench this entire time, because he knows that's probably what's going to happen. And he's coming off of a... Achilles' tail. Exactly, so... Which is insane, because he's playing amazing. Right, every once in a while you can see him in a little bit of pain, but that's that's normal. That's just how it is. Yeah, that's just reacclimating past the injury. Right, but... You know, because Pop loves keeping those rotations, it's why Kyle Anderson's getting all these starts with Kawhi out. And he's playing great, too, so you'll be seeing Kyle Anderson Both of them are playing great, so that's really, I think, the key there is having them all doing that. Um, so, yeah, that's just my theory. I don't actually know the whole thing, but those are my my thoughts. I think it might just be Pop experimenting and wanting to see how DeJounte reacts by coming off the bench. Because, you know, I mean, everyone expected DeJounte to store it. Everyone was saying he was going to store it. And I think he's just trying to see what his reaction will be and how he'll take it to go from store to be on the bench. Right, but I also don't think that that's too big of an issue, especially when you consider he's the 21-year-old. No, Yeah, I know, but, you know, he's, he's the 21-year-old. You know how you and I are 22. You know how guys our age think and act. And we can be pretty stupid sometimes. Yeah, but... DeJounte doesn't really come across as that kind of guy. No, I, mean, I know, but you, you had the whole Pops teacher's pet thing going on for a few of those games, and then you have him running into Pop that went at this previous game and Mommy laughing his butt off on the bench for it, you know? Yeah, but, you know, I'm just saying, you, you always have to, t- even though it may not seem like it, you always have to do something just in case, just to make sure, just to 
just out of curiosity, just to see how they react. Because, yeah, maybe he doesn't rea react negatively towards it, but what if he reacts a little bit differently to it? Like, I'm not saying if he doesn't react negatively towards it, maybe he's just indifferent. It's like, okay, whatever. Or maybe he's like, yeah, sure. If you think I'm best off the bench, I'll come off the bench type of thing. And maybe it's to improve him in his little dark patch because he's had a few games that haven't been as good. So maybe he's trying to say, no, come off the bench. Don't let, let go of that pressure a little bit, you know? Yeah, that's true. So that's, yeah, that's a thing. Um, can we take a moment? I know we kind of did it earlier, but let's like formally do this and let's take a moment to appreciate Pau Gasol. Yes. We appreciate you, Mir. You're big and you can play. You know how to play. No, but let me explain why we're appreciating Pau Gasol. Yes, his contract still sucks. We, we've been over this. No one argues that. But the way he's been playing this season so far has at least made people go, well, it's not that bad. It's not the worst contract in the league. It's not freaking, oh, who was the guy who got tons of, Mozgov with the Lakers. <laughs> oh, don't remind two me seasons about that. Ago. Don't remind me about that. It's not that. You know, because he's playing very well offensively. Uh huh. He's still got that three-point shot. Yep. And he's not getting killed on the pick and roll. Yeah. Which everyone knows was his worst. It, that, that's like been a non-issue. I have yet to see people go, ugh, the pick and roll with Pau. It's because the way they've been setting up the defense, they've limited as many point times to prevent the pick and roll from happening with Pau. They've done everything in their power to prevent Pau from being caught in the pick and roll. So that all he has to do is go at the paint. And what's crazy is that they're making this too big roster look like a legitimate roster because literally right now all we have are Pau Gasol and Lamarcus and one could argue the only true big is Pau Gasol <laughs> because freaking Joffrey has been out with injury and he was the only true big besides Pau that we have and who's left Lamarcus and Davis Bertans and Bertans never plays <laughs> yeah Davis is riding the bench because he fouls too much I'm sorry, I love Davis, but he fouls too much. Anyways, but yeah, I agree. Uh, you can take the player out of the Euro basket, but you can't take the Euro basket out of the player. Ouch. That is so mean. It's true. It is. Uh, I will say, though, that Joffrey should be coming back witty soon, so that would be nice to see, to have another big to use, and he will hopefully help relieve the uh, minutes for, for um, uh, Pal and... Uh, Marcus, so they won't have to play as many minutes <coughs> as they have had to been because, you know, only two bigs. But yeah, definitely. We we should definitely give mad props to Powell for what he's done. Right. I also think, I have to say, I think this, this whole two big roster is actually surprisingly un, un, underrated. Yeah. Because there have been some really interesting lineups that actually did pretty well. Like, I think there was one time in, I think it was the Clippers game, when the lineup was literally Patty, Manu, Danny, LaMarcus, and I think Kyle Anderson. Yeah. Or was it like Patty, no, it was Patty, Manu, LaMarcus, Danny, and Brent Forbes. That's what it was. That's what it was, yeah, because you were like, wait, Brent Forbes is out there? What's he doing out there? <laughs> it might have been really gay instead of LaMarcus, but it was one of those just ridiculous lineups. Like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But it looked and worked pretty well. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, I think Pop's using this new versatile uh, positionless basketball and taking it to its logical conclusion and extreme where it's like, 
positionless basketball. Let's just straight up go positionless. Let's just load up on a bunch of guards who can do three and D. Yeah, and and some small forwards who can shoot small for no guards and small forwards who can do three and D and bigs who can shoot from the three. Let's just do that. Yeah, let's just grab some slightly undersized bigs who can shoot ev- from everywhere. Let's just grab some small forwards who can three and D. Let's grab some guards who are either lightning cr- uh pinpoint accurate at three or amazing defenders. And a little bit of both in the middle with Brandon Paul and, uh, you know, Danny Green. And then we got point guards who are fast and long and kind of (laughs) short. I mean, that's kind of like the big thing that Patty and Tony had in common. They're short. Well, yeah. And they're known for their quickness. Tony is not as quick as he used to be, but he used to be super fast. Definitely. And everyone knows that Patty Mills runs the most miles in any basketball game. Seriously, but yeah, you're right. This this real positionless basketball that the Spurs are playing is amazing. It's like, it's. It, I just have no words, honestly, because it's just pretty interesting to watch. As long as it's like, as long as they're not, you know, being blown out, I just can watch even when they're down. Because I feel like even when they're down, they can catch back up. Yeah, and what's crazy is that when they were doing the blowing out in that Bulls game, it was just the weirdest thing ever. Because, you know, two years ago when we just signed LaMarcus and we still had Tim Duncan, Boris Dia, and, like, David West, and who else did we have signed? Let's see. It was Tim Duncan, Boris Dia, LaMarcus, Aldridge, David West. Um, I Did we get Davis? Or no, no. Davis was the next year. Point is, we had a ton of these different guys, and we were blowing people out. That was the 67, like, 12 win team or something yeah yeah and we were just blowing people out left and right and it was kind of like boring after the second quarter because they never came back this time it's different where when we are doing blow blowouts they come back but then we blow them out by more some of that's because they're young but i think some of that's also just the pace of the league yeah where defense is important but it's not necessarily keeping people from scoring the entire time but being able to trade buckets and then turn it on when you need to. Yeah. Which is really what the Spurs have been doing when they've been winning, is turning on their defense when they really need it. And I think we can tighten up and do a little bit better. Obviously, it's still the first quarter of the season. And we don't have our best defensive player. Right, which completely changes, not the defensive scheme, but makes it way better. Yeah. But at the same time, I do also think that what we've got going right now, I think it's really good. And if we can seamlessly incorporate Tony and Kawhi back into it, which I truly believe we can, this is a legitimate championship contender. Definitely. Okay, is there any anything around the league we want to talk about? Um, I'm still surprised at how well the Grizzlies are doing, honestly. Yeah, aren't they like a uh, sixth seed right now? No, they're the second seed. They're uh, second? No, 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 wait, no. No, no, that's Golden State. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think they might be 60. Yeah, because I was like, hold on. There's no way they're second. I I don't know what I was thinking. I'm like, wait, wait, what am I saying? They're not second. And then the Celtics are surprisingly still doing very well despite missing like half their roster at this point. Yeah, I think they're fourth seed right now still. They're still first, I think. Yeah, in the the East. That's what I was saying. Yeah, sorry. Uh, For some reason, it sounded fourth. I'm like, isn't that Portland? JK. Okay, okay. Actually, the Grizzlies are the fifth seed. The, the, The people I'm surprised about that are in the third seed, each in, in the conferences are the Nuggets and the Magic. 
I'm surprised about that. I'm not super surprised by the Magic after the way they started the season. Yeah, but the Nuggets? The Nuggets, I'm kind of surprised because they started off real bad, and I was trying to figure out what was going on because everyone was talking them up. I wonder if they just got unlucky with scheduling and other things. Maybe. And now the the one team that I am, am shocked about at all, like I'm immensely shocked, is the Pistons, man. This second season is what East. I think I said it once before, but I'm going to say it again. The Pistons are finally the team people said they were going to be three years ago, two years ago. Yeah, I, I agree with you. They're actually starting to play really well. And, of course, the crazy thing that everyone's been talking about, the Cavs are not even in the playoff seeds. What's their record? Uh, Six and seven. Six and seven? Yeah, same as the Jazz and the, th- and the Thunder. That's crazy. The Heat have the same amount of wins. Let's go Heat. That no, sure, That's crazy. The Cavs are six and seven. This is the team that everyone's still assuming is going to be in the finals against Golden State, and they are six and seven. What you got to remember is one, they're old. Yeah, I know, but it's like if they're six and seven, right now, if you keep that pace, you might barely squeak into an eighth seed. And people, well, I guess I haven't been keeping up to date on the quote-unquote media in terms of um, television like ESPN and Fox Sports and all those things. So, please, do, in fact, correct me if I'm wrong. Let me know. But I swear that everyone's still assuming it's going to be a Cavs-Warriors finals just because LeBron's there. But even LeBron can't take a 6-7 and seven team from 8th seed to the finals. Um, did you forget 2007, bro? Fine, fine. LeBron can take them to the finals to get swept by whoever's in the finals, okay? Better? Sounds good. And even then, there were some really weird miracle shots that had to occur just for them to even get there. Yeah. Also, apparently the Knicks are the sixth seed. The Knicks? The Knicks. Sixth seed. Sixth seed. What happened to let the Knicks get that high? I thought they were trash. I think they beat Cleveland a couple of times. And then the Sixers are the seventh seed. Wait, aren't they playing Cleveland again? Uh, Oh, they're playing Cleveland's. Yeah, they are on the 13th today. Okay, well, there you go. That's just insane. And then the Thunder are still in their growing pains. That's I'm starting to wonder if JD's right. Because usually I kind of like... He's never been a huge Thunder fan, especially with the Super Team Thunder. But now I'm starting to wonder if maybe he's got some merit to the, the three quote-unquote all-star superstar guys just not being able to gel well i I haven't been watching so i don't know yeah and i understand where he was coming from because you have three guys who always used to be the guys and now you you have to just see who's the guy who's the guy well it's westbrook obviously obviously it's westbrook but you have two other guys who used to be the guys and they have to try to balance not being the guy while still trying to play their best and they play their best when they're playing as the guy right I just find it all weird that all the... I mean, it's still the early season. Lots can happen. Someone straight up on RNBA posted how this time last year, um, I think it was like the Hawks were second seed or something, and the Clippers were first seed. Yeah. So take that as you will. But still, six and seven, that's not a good start for what the team that everyone's still planning to be in the finals. I think what all of this really just shows, to bring it back to what this podcast is all about, is just how good the Spurs are, especially how good Popovich's coaching is. I guess what we're that saying odd, is 
that all quote unquote rebuilding phase team that you've not that yet you've been. I, I was gonna say that. I, I guess what we're trying to say is let's put that eight and five in perspective to everyone else around the league. Like the only team you can really say is super overachieving compared to the Spurs is the Celtics. Yeah. Because Gordon Hayward's still out, probably for maybe for the rest of the season. Right, and I think Kyrie Irving got a stri- slight uh, injury. Really? Yeah, I think it was minor. I don't think it took him out too much, but I could have sworn Kyrie got a slight small injury. Please research that now before I, you know, dedicate and say for sure that's what happened. But I could have sworn I read somewhere that he got injured, like an ankle sprain or something. Or Yeah, he had a... Yeah, he it was actually a minor facial fracture. Okay, so it was just facial fracture. Okay, yeah, like he was been upgraded to questionable. Okay, so he did get injured though. That's all I care. Yeah, he did. That's all I care. That I I'm not going crazy. That I did read that. Yeah. Okay. Let's see any other Spursy things we want to talk about. No, I think we've pretty much talked about everything we need. We needed to catch up on. I mean, maybe we can look at the next game, but the next game is just Spurs versus Mavs. And as much as I love the Mavs, as much as I love Dork, they're the worst team in the, in the West. So yeah, they're straight up tanking, and I don't think Cuban would tell you otherwise. Yeah, so that one's pretty much a lock. So there's, I mean, if we lose, then we'll have some stuff to say. But as far as games where you're pretty sure you know who's gonna win, I'm pretty darn sure we know who's going to win. Yeah. I'm I'm kicking myself right now cuz I remember when I when we were watching those three games, at least in one of those, Sean Elliott said something and I swear I said I was going to say this on the podcast, but then I can't remember. It was one of those things that Sean Elliott says multiple times like throughout the different games, like it's one of his catchphrases. You know what I mean? Like how whenever the Spurs are doing bad, he'll say that they're playing lackadaisically. <laughs> lackadaisically, yeah. Or like when you know, they're getting in on transition. He'll just go on about that. Like, you know, th- those terms he uses all the time. And there was one that I really liked, but I can't remember what it is for the life of me, and it's killing me. And I just know that, like, five minutes after we're done with this podcast, when I'm editing this darn thing, it's going to pop into my brain, and it'll be too late. Uh-huh. I just know it's going to happen. So you're stalling to try to figure out what it was? And I, I can't do it. It, it. It's not coming. Yep. That's just how it goes sometimes, bro. That's just how it goes. No, no. Let's see, is there anything else, or do you think we're good? Honestly, I think we're good. Yeah, so uh, next game, uh, Spurs-Mavs. It's either on Fox Sports Southwest, or I think it might be on local TV only. Because it's a, what's a Tuesday game? Yeah, let me check. Because I could when I read somewhere that it was uh, a Ken's 5. Which meant, means it might actually be one of those, or is it a uh, Fox Sports? It's Fox Sports Southwest. Okay, well there you go. I think. Oh, I was confusing it with the uh, the Bucks game, which was actually nationally televised. Right. Okay, so uh, I think that about wraps it up for us. Uh, this has been episode six of the Spurs eighty two plus podcast. Um, any last words you want to say? As always, go Spurs go. Go Spurs go. See you guys next time.